Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Namaste, listeners, and welcome to episode 74 of A Chilled Out and Relaxed There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Podcast. I am Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And we're mellow because it was yoga night at BC Place this evening. And we've had to wait an hour to record this podcast, because who knew that yoga could be so loud? Now, the first thing I have to say is, I misunderstood. I actually thought it was yogi night, and I can't tell you how much of an idiot I feel sitting here in my boo-boo costume, armed with a picnic basket, and just waiting for Mr. Ranger to come. And the fact that you made me wear the boo-boo costume is not fun either. Well, you kind of look quite good in it. Anyway, yoga aside... It was a a big day at BC Place. The Whitecaps broke their draw specialist tags after four draws in a row, three points, home win, unbeaten in five. Yeah, it was a fantastic game. They came out on the front foot and basically, in a way, kind of bossed the midfield for for the most part of the game. They didn't hold advantage for possession, but I thought they really counteracted and what... Sporty Can See was trying to do and took advantage of some of their mistakes and and really sc- scored uh, one nice goal and got lucky on on the first one. Yeah, Kansas City just edged the possession 55 to 45. Teams level in attempts and goal 13 and 13, but the Whitecaps they, they came out of the gate, they knew they had to attack Kansas City early. They knew they had to kind of get on the board early and Darren Maddox had a fantastic chance to do just that 4 minutes in. Looked like all we had to do was kind of put the ball in the back of the net. And then one of my favourite players in MLS, even when he plays against us, I still love the guy, Aurelian Collin, vital last-ditch foot in. And that wasn't the, the only time he did that today, but that should have been 1-0 there and then, Steve. Yeah, it was a, it was a good turnaround. He, he, he looked like he had Collin beaten there on his uh, when he twisted around. But Collin just dove in there and got his, that, that weak foot in there. I thought at first it looked like Maddox had completely missed the net. And obviously maybe it's a little bit we're used to that happening, but it was definitely a good play by Colin to avoid that. Or else it definitely the keeper was not in position to stop it ball. But from that moment you thought the Whitecaps are up for it tonight. Yeah. But then the, the only real nervy point that the Whitecaps had tonight came in the 10th minute. Benny Fileharbour 
curled a shot just past the right-hand post. Yeah, thirty. It was about 30, 35 yards yeah. out. Not too far out. If that had gone in, and it's like obviously if, but all that yeah. nonsense. But that that would have been a game changer then. It would have been interesting to see how the Whitecaps could have come back from that. Yeah. But it didn't, and yeah. the Whitecaps kept pushing. And then they all had their own game changer. Yeah. About eight minutes later, they got the reward, and it was thanks to Kansas City. It's yeah. like thanks very much, KC. You've done us a favor. Lovely own goal. As, as Carol said in his press conference after the game, they were practicing that all week. Yeah, was, you know what? It, I know it's an own goal, but it was a great ball. It was a sent, great header. It was, it was a great ball sent into that area, and luckily for them, uh, I think he was just. Uh, I think Igor Julio. I think that's where you pronounce it. I'm not sure. Um, he was just trying to head it back to the keeper, but he got too much on there, and he he sent it way over the keeper's head, Granerbaum, and it went in the net. There's nothing that was going to be done at that point. I'm also not really sure if Grimbaum gave him a shout. Igor, let's just call him that. Yeah. He's Brazilian, so if he did give a shout, maybe there's a bit of misunderstanding. Obviously, the noise at BC Place as well. But, I mean, Grimbaum came flying out for that, which was surprising because the ball wasn't even in the box. So, I mean, the guy had lots of time. There was no need for Grimbaum to, to come out. So, would you put that more on the keeper? I'd I put that down on to keeper's error. I just don't think that a defender is expecting his keeper. Yeah. When the defender was unpressurised, there was no one around. Morales just hit a speculative ball up the pitch. There was no danger at all. I just feel that the keeper was at fault. He just shouldn't have come out there. But hey, we take them all. 1-0 for the White Caps, And that's then what everyone was wanting to see. The White Caps had blown four leads in the four of the last five games. So everyone's waiting now to see, are KC going to storm back and, and get the equaliser? I mean, KC came into this game on an unbeaten eight-match run, yeah. which in itself is impressive. But for me, even this like blew my socks off when I, when I read this, when I was doing some research for the game. They had won, not drawn, but won their last five road games. And in MLS, that's, that's a pretty phenomenal that's start. It's almost virtually impossible to do. It's almost impossible to do. Um, we're talking about the, the some of the play, but one thing that really irritated me was the, around that half hour mark, Morales had a free kick and he, he almost tricked Grenenbaum into making like it really went for the bottom corner. Yeah, Grenenbaum uh, basically spilled the ball, and at atypical of the Whitecaps, not one player makes a run at the ball. They're just standing around watching it go to, towards the net. It could have easily been tapped in for a goal at that point. Yeah, I know during the game we were talking about it, it had really annoyed you. And what, what interested me with that was the first person on the scene for the spilled ball for Kansas City, or just in general, was Aurelian Collin. Yeah, and he was behind the attacker yeah. that we had. And, and the second person was a white cap, and that was Andy O'Brien. And that's what we don't actually see from our central defenders. Yeah. Although we, we saw it with Andy, he, he kind of got there first. But yeah. like, if that had been the reverse... Our centre defenders would not have been the guys that would have been in front of the keeper to make sure. Normally they would have been there just watching the ball go in and yeah. hoping the keeper can catch it or whatever. And someone would have like, put the spill away. Or... And, and an opposition player would have gone to the box and tapped yeah. it in. But I don't know why the Whitecaps, just the attacking players seem to not want to go to the net. And it happened later on. But first of all, the second goal went in. Yeah, and that, that was the crucial one. I mean, that second goal... If the Whitecaps hadn't got it before half-time, I was fearing a little bit that they maybe wouldn't have come out good in the second half. It would have played in their minds a bit and they'd have let KC in. But they got that crucial second. Darren Mattox, after not getting the goal earlier, got that goal. All the, the 
the build-up play, though, I mean, you just have to give full credit to Pedro Morales. The Whitecaps had a two-on-one break, yeah. and the one guy back for Kansas City, of was course, Colin. was Colin again. Like Colin, he was seemed to be the centre yeah. of a lot of attention, including, which was confirmed by an an, an unnamed Sporting Kansas City uh, official that he did throw up in the first half around the 15-minute mark. I I didn't see it. It was apparently all over Twitter. I don't know if somebody tweeted out a picture. I tried to look for it. I couldn't find it anywhere, but. It definitely so he was all over the place and but on that play I thought Morales did a really good job of dragging him along to the other side and then letting Maddox make that run into the open space and then getting the ball over there. I think it was a really well played goal. Yeah, I mean Darren was asked after the game, we'll we'll hear the audio very soon, that it's like, did you expect that Pedro was gonna give you that ball? And it's like, yeah. Cause that's the thing. If it had been say Hurtado and Maddox that were streaking forward Hurtado, I don't think, would have played Matix in. I think Hurtado would have had the shot. Or would but, he would have dribbled it on over the end line. Yeah, well, actually, yeah. He, <laughs> he wouldn't have controlled it enough to get to the edge of the box, I yeah. don't think. Um, but when it was Morales that was breaking with him, I knew Morales wasn't going to have the shot because yeah. that's what experience does. That's what Kenny Miller did. Yeah. And you knew that it was going to be Matix. But as you said, like Colin was kind of pulled in towards Morales because Morales is the danger guy. Perfect then. Pass, unmarked Matix. He showed great control and he finished it really well. And the thing is, um, if you look at the replay, Colin, I think, had a sh- uh, sh- shouted something at Grunenbaum. I think he was expecting Grunenbaum to take Maddox, and I think he, the keeper, took Morales as well. So both of them were watching Morales and leaving Maddox alone by himself almost. Well, I mean, that's because he's such a danger man. And yeah. be- before that goal, we saw that fantastic bit of skill where he got through two KC guys and then tried to lob Grunenbaum for just inside the KC half, that would have been like MLS goal of the year if that had gone in. But Matic's goal, 2-0. They had it almost, almost had a third one at half, just before half. Yeah, and what, that what was sh- a weird one. Yeah, I mean, we were debating this. I disagree with you, but you thought that was a penalty. No, no, not, not, forget about that. We'll get to that in a oh, second here. we've got uh, another the, one. The one where the ball was squirting towards the net, the line. Oh, the trickler. Yeah, the trickler. The low trickler. And the thing is, and, and this came to the other point about nobody attacking the ball, Fernandez is just standing there kind of watching the thing while Colin is the one who absolutely ran at the ball and cleared it off the line, basically, and, and actually went into the net, almost injuring himself. Yeah, I think Fernandez just thought it was in and just gave up on it, and yeah. you should never do that as no. a striker. And then you when should he at realized, least put pressure on the yeah. defender, or maybe the defender makes a mistake and puts it in his own net again. Or you try and put the ball and the defender yes. in the net and just yeah. hope that the referee thinks that you got the ball. Yeah. But he kind of gave up a little bit too easy. But again, for me, that just showed how good Colin is. And... I've wanted him here like for a couple of years now. We've got our new signing who we'll talk about later on the show. But when you've got a guy like that, he is a difference maker in the defence. And that's what the Whitecaps haven't had too much, although they welcomed Andy O'Brien back today. And it was very welcome to have him back because I just think I think he played really solid. He, yeah. he shut down Dwyer and frustrated him big time. Um, the, the, but the, then there was that penalty thing. The penalty, the thing is about the penalty... I thought it was a harsh tackle. Like it was, it was almost like taking somebody down from behind. I think what saved it from being a penalty was the fact that the ball might have cleared, gone over the end line. I don't know the rules about that if it would have counted, but I think the referee just kind of let it go because the ball was over already over the end line, and, and Fernandez really didn't have any uh, control over the ball. Also, Fernandez, I said to you when I first saw that he had embellished it. And when you see it again, he is caught, but he arches his back. And whenever you see an arch back, yeah. that's not a natural motion. It is embellishment. 
But um, he was, he I, was think in, that, I think that's why he didn't get the penalty, though. If he'd just fallen flat on his face. But the natural motion of getting scissored like that, it wasn't really natural either, no. so you never know. But the, beyond the, that... Yeah, but, but it, it was 2-0 at the half. It was kind of worrying, though, when they didn't score that third goal because you're thinking that they, that was a missed opportunity and are they going to you know, pay for that in the second half? Yeah. So be- before we talk about the second half, let's actually play the audio from the Whitecaps locker room now. We're going to hear from Carl Robinson... Darren Mattox, David Oustead, and they're going to talk about a number of things, including the importance of not blowing a lead again, what Carl said to them at halftime, that's why I want to play it now before we talk about the second half, and just how vital that was to get the win today with the way that the Western Conference results went yesterday and in recent games. So here's some audio from the Whitecaps locker room. So, Carl, this week you got the second goal. Um, was that much more relaxing after that happened? It would have been more relaxing if we got the third goal, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's a nice win. It's a good win for us against a very good team. I said every every week I seem to be talking to you gentlemen, saying we're playing against one of the best teams. And, you know, there's a lot of good teams out there. Uh, Casey is certainly a very good team, with a very organised, with a top coach in charge. So, it was a good test for us, a test that we managed to overcome. Uh, I, I believe we could win the game if we did things right because of the, the personnel that we have got and we can cause any team problems and we showed today that you know, it could have been maybe four or five on another day uh, but we'll take the victory. We did get lucky on the first goal but take that out of it, I think we, we thoroughly deserved the victory and I think it was a good performance against like, a top team so um, it would have been nice to get the third goal as I said there um, because at 2-0 you, you're never really comfortable. Um, but I said to the guys at half-time, you know, we've been in this position before. We're comfortable leading against Chivas 1-0. We went out, we switched off. So let's just, you know, try and learn something today and let's just try and come o- overcome that little bit of a hurdle when we're leading at half-time and we come out a little bit flat. I think the first 20 minutes of the second half, we didn't maintain the ball as much as I would like. Um, but again, it's we, we're a work in progress in relation to that against a good team. And you can have a period of times where you're under the cosh a little bit, but we we bent a little bit, but we didn't break. Um, that was a pleasing thing for the guys in there. We set the tone with the way we played on the front foot. You know, we can't be a team that tries to soak up pressure. I don't think, you know, I'm not a manager who wants to do that. And I said the first 20 minutes, we get a super crowd behind us. You know, there's another 20,000 here today, like there is every every week we play at home. Probably, obviously wanted more wins this year, but yeah. you look at tonight, uh, you beat Seattle, Portland, taking two points in, in Rio Tinto. What, what does that say about the team, that the way you played against some of the tougher teams of your arrival? That we're not actually far away. You know, I keep saying we're that close, but we're that far. And, you know, when we play against a team that's maybe struggling to get results, everyone expects us to win. When we play against a team that's flying, you know, Dallas were flying last time, and I think we were very unlucky not to win that game. And, you know, we can compete. You know, can we compete on a consistent basis? That's the question with all young players. You know, you get ups and downs with a young group, um, and we're finding that. We're not losing too many games, which, you know, is great, but we're not <laughs> winning probably enough games, which isn't good, and that's something I need to work on with a group of players. But, you know, the, the potential's there. It really is, and I said to you all along, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. You know, I, was, I found it interesting today when uh, we had the penalty, and I said to Pedro, you want to take the penalty um, because negative Nelly as, as we talk about uh, I wanted Pedro to get a goal um, another penalty but I don't care and um, he, he couldn't so Darren took it because Darren scored our last penalty uh, and he missed and a gentleman in the crowd shouts I told you uh, you'd miss and I said okay I said I can't take the penalty you know I wish I wish I could 
Um, but, you know, Darren was, was fantastic for me today. He scored a goal. He missed two other, th three other chances in the first half and he missed a penalty, but we won. You know, and I'm willing to back my players to the hilt. And, you know, I said to the guy, I'll chat to you afterwards because, you know, Darren's one of our players, a, a player that I want to grow with. He's got potential to go as far as, as I believe he can, but it's not going to happen overnight. And you're going to have a little bit, a few bumps along the way. And the bump was the penalty missed today, but it, it didn't matter. We won the game 2-0. We pick up the three points. So uh, I'm sure the guy's probably waiting for me outside now. I'll have a chat with him. With the win today, back in the playoff spots, the way the results went over the weekend, was yeah. this a kind of home game that you had to really get three points from? <laughs> yes, I watched all the games yesterday and I was pig sick, if I was honest, because every game that I seemed to watch, you know, the result I wanted to, you know, go our way didn't go our way. But, as I said all along, it's not what other teams do, it's what we do. And if we concentrate on our business and we get to a where I believe we need to get to, you know, we'll all be happy. If we don't, then it's down to me and it's down to the team. You know, I don't want to rely on other teams to try and sneak in the playoffs. If we concentrate on our business and we do our business correctly, then we'll be there or thereabouts. Four goals in five games for you, Darren. Is this, this as good as you felt uh, uh, over a stretch for this point? Yeah, should have been five and five, Miss PK. You know, but um, the most important thing that we got three points. You know, um, against a very good com um, SKC team with, I think, four All-Stars. In their team, and for us to get a clean sheet, um, at after the guys are on the back on and David in goal, and to get three points, two goals, it's a very big achievement for us. You figured Pedro was going to pass to you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, um, it's a great player, and I just put myself in the best position for my teammates to um, to give them second option, and um, he chose it. Second option, and second option, I think I did well to put it in the back of the net. First touch was tough on that one, actually. Yeah, yeah um, I was. I was um, bursting my ass off trying to get, sorry, <laughs> trying to get um, front and as well. I think it was a bit behind, so I had to like hook it in front of me and um, stretch it behind a bit. But as I said, it's a great finish nonetheless. You guys have blown a few leads uh, in recent weeks. Carl said a lot of talk at halftime about learning something about how to close out a game tonight. Uh, how do you think you did it in the second half? Yeah, really well. I think we managed the game. Um, there's going to be games where um, we're going to need to win 1-0 um, on the road or home, and I think we did great today managing the game. Obviously, we should have got a third or even a fourth um, in the second half, but as I said, three points, um, we'll take it. What is it about this team you seem to do really well against the top teams in MLS? Um, I think we're up for it. Um, it shouldn't be that way. I think we should be up for every single game. Um, this league, you can um, win or lose in any given day, so I think you got to give your best effort every day. Look back on the PK. Uh, please, with just a good save, or you would have liked to have placed it more. Mm, I should have switched sides. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, against um, Salt Lake, Owen, that side, uh, I think I should have switched. I think he's been watching videos of me taking PK, I guess. But um, I scored, and as I said, the most important thing is the team got three points. Yeah. So do you get the next one, or Pedro gets the next one? Pedro get the next one. He's a PK <laughs> kicker, but um, I'm not going to back down if the opportunity arises again. Thoughts on the match, David? Um, great win. Nice to to get on the scoreboard uh, in that sense. Uh, really great performance all over, good defensively, and, and some good goals. I think, you know, like Carl said, I think probably everybody knows this weekend that the teams around you and just above you were starting to separate a little bit. Just how much more important did that make you guys getting a win out of this game? 
Uh, it is definitely crunch time right now. Like you say, people are winning uh, next to us, and um, we need to, um, to keep winning like we did today to, to, to keep up with people and, and keep uh, going up the standings. Um, this was a good start, but the work doesn't stop here. We've got an even more important game uh, next week in Chivas, uh, and uh, this will be a little bit for nothing if we don't go there and, uh, and get something out of it. They got some pressure in the second half, had some chances, but it seemed to recall the only saves you really had to make came right at you, I think, didn't they? Did you, you didn't really have a tough Yeah, save. no, uh, I think we did really well defen uh, defensively. Um, they had some, some finishes, but everything was um, almost uh, locked down, and then we got them in a good angle, so easy saves for me. So um, it, that was a nice clean team today. Is it a coincidence that you beat Seattle, you beat Portland, you beat KC? got points out of Salt Lake this year, or does that say something about this team that you guys just, for some reason, can get up for these games and maybe not quite as much the others consistently? You know, I think it's both. I think it says something about this team and the quality that's in it, but it also says something about we need to mature a little bit, uh, getting into those tough games. Um, like you say, Chiefs away, uh, Chicago away, those games where people are expecting wins. Uh, those are not easy games, and we need to, to realize that and even work harder in those games to, to get those wins out of it. So, Carol there gave them a good talk at halftime, stressed the importance, not that they needed it stressed, of not blowing the lead. And KC came out for the opening minutes of that second half, kind of all guns blazing. Yeah, the first five, ten minutes, yeah. 38 seconds in, they had that shot from, Peterson. I think it was Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Peterson. I, th I thought Jacob Peterson was the robot skeleton on Craig Ferguson's show, but then I remembered it was Jeff Peterson. No. But I think they're both as impactful as each other and had the same kind of mobility. But Casey, after that kind of died off, the Whitecaps pretty much I, controlled that second half. I think they had the better chances too. If you count, like first of all, you got Leveron's header that was cleared off the line by Fell Harbor. Yeah, that was it. Wasn't a hard hitter. I mean, Casey for having thirteen shots. Yeah. David Eisted had one of the easiest clean sheets he's going to have had well, all year. Both shots came in the second half. They didn't register a shot on goal in the first half either. So that, that was an easy first half for him as well. And for Eisted, that was his sixth clean sheet of the year, and he's kind of gone under the radar a bit. I don't think he gets the credit that he probably deserves. Deserves. And I'm, I'm like one of the ones maybe that hasn't given him credit because I just expect him to do that. But he was comfortable. The Whitecaps, of course, though, should I just put a cherry on top with a third goal? Darren Mattox, would you say that was a penalty miss or a great save? We're going to hear a little bit from in the audio because we had a chance to speak to John Kempen, who came on as a, uh, a sub at halftime. Uh, they said it was an injury, but I'm not sure. Maybe it could have been something else that they just didn't like the way he was playing. Uh, the uh, uh, Grinnerbaum, he felt the referee blew the whistle quickly, and he actually had no chance to uh, like react. It was basically just a reactionary save, and he did have his hand out, and it it, it clanged off his hand, went off the bar, and then uh, Tiber no Maddox had a chance. Tiber w was streaking in there too. Um, right. I, I would say it was, it was probably a save more than a, a yeah. A I, I think it was a good save, and Darren himself though said after, as we as we just heard, that he feels that he should have done better with that, yeah. and there was there was no excuse. He says Pedro's going to be back taking the penalties yeah. for, for the next game. I, it seemed like that there was a little bit of a discussion between him, Russell Tybert, and Gershon Kofi on who should take the penalty. The, the, the three of them were talking for a while there, but. Maddox got I think his Maddox hands. Was the right guy. Maddox got his hands on the ball and he did. He kept it. He did not uh, waver at all on, on letting that penalty yeah. go. I mean, I know he missed, and I know I give him stick, but he was the right guy to take that. And 
I mean, he scored them before. Now, the penalty itself, before the, obviously the penalty shot didn't go, but the penalty itself, do you think that was a penalty or do you think Salgado earned and kind of worked his way get earning that penalty well, from? Yeah, I think it was. Because um, Colin definitely didn't think so. And we, we obviously can't audio we didn't audio he, he Colin wasn't speaking to the media but while we were waiting for other people to speak he was in the middle of the dressing room um naked possibly I'm not gonna confirm or deny that uh but he was basically reenacting the whole how he how he was defending Omar Salgado so it was a hilarious sight to see what I and I, I kept I, my eyes waist level up I promise I asked Omar and he was like I said what What's your thoughts on the penalty? And he's like, it was a penalty. Yeah. That's what we said. It was like nothing else. Well, one thing, I was talking to Jason DeVos afterwards too, and he didn't think oh, it was a penalty. Dropper. He wasn't didn't think it was a penalty, but he said that the... He's def- a defender. He no, never no, thinks no, he's but a he says, But he did say the defenders in MLS really give the referees no option because they always want to be wrestling with the, uh, the, uh, the attacking players. And even later on, near the end of the game, Jordan Harvey used, used notice that he... Kind of got an armbar wrestle. No, I think it was Betashore. Oh, Betashore, yeah. you're right, Betashore. He had, he had the guy's arm trapped. Yeah. And it's like, I had given a penalty for that. Yeah, referee obviously didn't see that. So yeah, that was, they, they obviously could have put an explanation point on that game by scoring that third goal. But if we're talking about wrestling, I think one of my favourite points was in the first half when Andy O'Brien and Colin were just wrestling at a corner yeah. kick. Neither of them were given an inch, and it was like wrestling. They were always throwing each other around. And Basically, yeah, it was that was fantastic. But they were smiling at each other afterwards. Yeah. They were actually reenacting what what happened. They were giving both giving them their their point of view. So but, that, overall, I think it was a, a good yeah. game, especially coming off a break. I I have to say, I was called really negative on Twitter because I was really negative going into this. I, I had, did I, not think they would get anything from this. I just I just had a ba- I had a bad feeling only because it was coming off a break. And I just I had I a just bad feeling when I saw that we still had Hurtado <laughs> playing in the team. It's like, I don't know what he has to do now to lose his place in the team because he's not contributing anything. Assists, scoring, nothing. He has got a right bruiser on his face, though, from the knock that he took in the second I'm, half. I'm so. honestly surprised he didn't come off because that looked yeah, like he was knocked out. I know. that. I, like, there was blood. I thought it had knocked his teeth out at yeah. first when I saw it. And then I thought it was his nose or his bust lip, but yeah. it's actually on his forehead. He's got like, a, I'm demonstrating this, which is good for radio. Yeah. Uh, he's got a massive shiner on the on his forehead. A welt kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's like he, oh, I don't know how he's starting. But hey, it worked. They got the win. So that win takes him up to fifth place in the, in the playoff race. And they have a game in hand over the two teams directly below them, Colorado and Portland. Can you imagine if they'd taken just some points from those two Colorado games, how comfortable they'd be sitting just now? Yeah, they're in a good position right now still. They, they kind of salvaged something today, I think. Uh, like, like I said, I was kind of nervous because of the way they responded after the World Cup break and they played that Montreal team that should have been beaten here at home. So playing an Eastern Conference team, uh, you think that that would be... Uh, a little bit more a daunting task, and they, 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 you know, they got they got the win. It, it's funny that, um, and I think it was mentioned in the audio that they they've sandwiched these last two wins, the one against Seattle on on July fifth, and today they're beating the best two teams in each of the conferences, and in between is a whole bunch of ties and losses against you know really bad teams. Yeah, Chivas, Chicago. Montreal. It's like, I mean, yeah, Montreal. No, Montreal was before, sorry. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but still. It was was round about that. Very crappy team. Um, And the thing is, 
as, as David Eusted said in, in the audio there, they now have to build on that. But bef- before we look at all that, they're unbeaten against Eastern Conference opposition this year. So let's hear a little bit from the, the Sporting Kansas City dressing room. So we're going to hear from the head coach, Peter Vermees, a goalkeeper, John Kempen, and MLS All-Star, Matt Beasler. Coach, uh, first of all, your overall thoughts on the game and how it went? Uh, they were the better team. Uh, they wanted the game more. Uh, their guys were hungry. Our guys were lackadaisical. You know, we, we made two mistakes, and the mistakes are one thing, you know, because that happens sometimes in games, and I, you know, that, that kind of stuff you got to be able to live with, but it's it's our approach in the game, and, uh, you know, I always say that's my responsibility, so uh, I'll take I'll take, uh, I'll take responsibility, but at the same time, it ain't happening again next week, I'll tell you that. Now, you guys normally play a physical game, uh, but there were more fouls called on you than normally in the game. Uh, do you think that was a little bit due to the frustration? Or? You know, that's a, look, uh, it's a misconception, right? We, we don't play a physical game. What it is, we play aggressive. Yeah. And what happens is, is that, you know, uh, when you play aggressive, especially when you're pressing the ball, at times, um, you know, things are going to happen. There's going to be fouls, but uh, I don't. I don't think that in any way, shape, or form do we foul more than them or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that was the case. I, I think again, we were late to a lot of stuff today um, because of our approach. You guys had uh, three star- uh, three starters who played a full 45 minutes at the All Star game. Um, did that have any effect on on their play, or was it you know something you chalk up to somebody playing it like a from a physical perspective or a, a mental or physical or whatever? Uh, from a physical perspective, no, I don't think so. But obviously, all, all four of the guys from the All Star game um, for sure didn't have their best game today. So that 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 definitely had something to do with it. I got to assume because they didn't have any training with us all week. When you look at Matt and Graham. You know, not only All Star Game, World Cup. I mean, is there a hangover from that for for those guys? I mean, there's got to be. I mean, it's it's such a big tournament, and then you know you come back and you're coming right into league. See, I, I don't I don't believe in that stuff personally. I just don't. I think you. Th- this is what you do. You play you play soccer for a living. You play a sport, and that's it. And you go out, and every day, I don't believe that it's it's kind of like in baseball. You know, when a guy has a hitting streak, and then the guy misses one, and you know doesn't doesn't get his next game, doesn't get the hit, and everybody yeah. goes, "Wow, you know, he was due for it." I don't believe in that. I think that's all bullshit. Yeah. I do. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I, I think nobody's ever due one, right? right? You either play bad, or you play well, or you can always give. The physical aspect, and today as a team, we weren't on the front foot; we were on the back foot. Yeah. And you listen, credit to to them. They, they, I mean, they played well, but at the same time, you know, look at the first goal. I mean, we scored it, and the second one, we we gave them uh, a counterattack, and we were completely wide open. We were like the Red Sea. I mean, you could drive a truck down the middle of our, our field the way we were opening the balls that we gave away. Credit to them, though, they, they stuck it in the back of the net. You know, So from that perspective, I give them a lot of credit. And I said all week long, I think they're a very good team. They have a lot of uh, dynamic players, and they're not definitely they're definitely not in the place where they should be in regards to the table. I'm throwing John on at halftime. Obviously, unfortunately, with Andy picking up the, yeah. the injury. Um, but you know what? I, I, honestly, no... no uh, you know, no second guessing at all. I, I have a lot of confidence in him. He's kid, to, you know, he's the first kid to come out of our homegrown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played a lot of games this year with Oklahoma, which has been a good thing for him. Had a great experience last year in Orlando, and I think all of that and, and the training he's had with us, that he just is in a place where he's he can play. And then he, he makes a great save on the penalty kick. I mean, a great save. So uh, he was very confident when on the field. I thought he was good with you know even distribution of the ball. He wasn't panicking. There was a lot of good stuff that he did. A lot of people were tweeting during the game that uh, Pedro Morales, you know, 
was playing very well. He was named man of the match. Is your your first time seeing him in person? What do you think of? Uh, uh, I think he's a good player. I mean, I've seen him on video quite a bit. I think he's a very good player. I think he's very good going forward. He's good in the counter. Um, he can he can not only find passes, but he's also a guy that can that can score as well. So um, he definitely drives our offense from from that place on the field. John uh, came in at came in at halftime. Is there, uh, you know, have you, has that happened to you before coming in at half cold like that, or is that... Uh, throughout throughout my career, yes. Um, but obviously, that was my debut, for, so not not professionally. Um, it's always tough because you don't get much of a, a warm up or notice. But um, I was definitely very happy to it, get in. Is communication the big thing, or um, like? With the central defenders, is that the most important thing when you're coming in and cold like that? Yeah, getting on the same page, yeah. you know, um, coming in and, and kind of getting a feel for how the game's going. The Maddox uh, penalty, the save, uh, did, you, did you see something in what he was doing or did, was there scouting? Did somebody tell you something before the shot or was yeah, just reactionary? A little bit, but to be honest, I, um, I think the, the ref blew the whistle a little early before I was quite ready and uh, had to make a quick decision and, and that's the way I went. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I think the first half we we didn't come out with the correct mentality we we didn't play who we are we were on the back foot instead of the front foot Um, we we finally got into the game um, in the second half and and created some chances there Uh, but at the end of the day we're we're down two goals uh, by that time and um, it wasn't good enough. Was the frustration, did that lead to like your guys uncharacteristically like going to a lot of fouls and everything, getting called for a lot of fouls, or was there something else to that? Um, yeah, we, we played like we normally do. Uh, I think we're a physical team. I think uh, the ref, for whatever reason, was calling more fouls than, than we're used to, but... I mean, I don't think that we were fouling more than usual. We were playing like we normally do. Coming off the All-Star break, um, you guys played 45. You and your uh, defensive partner played 45. Uh, Graham played 45. Did that have any effect, or is that like, you know, you don't, you kind of sweep that side because you're used to playing, a, you know, a full game sometimes midweek? Yeah, no, no effect. Anyone that says it affects you, that's that's just an excuse. Like I said, it just uh, the mentality wasn't wasn't good enough and. We didn't play uh, the way that we can play today. So KC there. Whitecaps now facing, I think they've only got one more game against Eastern Conference opposition. So now they head to two games down in LA, or Carson, California, if you want to be exact, because they play Shivas next Saturday and then LA the week after that. LA, if they can get anything from that, it's just going to be fantastic. But Shivas next week, as David Eisted said in, in his audio, the win today means very little if they then don't go and get a result down against Chivas. And this is a good game that they can get. They got Chivas right now. Who, who, when they played them at home, they were kind of riding high. So they, and they, they, they should have won that game yeah. anyway. And and but now they're, they're uh, Chivas is a team that has is kind of kind of falling on harder hard times right now. They're kind of slipping again. So this is a good opportunity for them to go into LA and get a win, and 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 kind of make up for that loss that they had earlier in the season. I'm confident they'll do it. That will make it an unbeaten streak of six, which is, is starting to get back up there again. To yeah. the th- it's weird. It's, it's going to be getting up close to what they had when they were playing fantastic in May and June. Yeah. But they've played nowhere near really as good, and yeah. they've been getting draws. Which but- is maybe a good thing because if you're not playing as well and you're still picking up points, that you know that's you. You know, it's, it might be a positive if you look at it that way. Well, the thing is, now, well, especially with them picking up yeah, a win now. <laughs> it's, 
I think the Whitecaps would like to be kind of under the radar a bit. But what what we found interesting, like Jonathan Tannewald from Philly.com, uh, the goalkeeper on Twitter, he was at the game today. So we're talking to him kind of before and during the game. And the opinion of Vancouver, especially from folk in the East, seems really high. Yes. Uh, and Peter Kyle McCarthy was here as well from, from Boston. And it's like they both... They think the Whitecaps are excellent. And as, as you heard in uh, Peter Vermees' audio too, he says that Van, he's, Vancouver should be higher in the table. Um, he's, well, they would he's be if they were in the East. He, well, they would be third place, actually. They'd be ahead of TFC right now. Yeah, so he was surprised that they basically, you know, where they are in the table, and he feels that they're a talent. And they, he said that they, they were the better team today. He, and he very much uh, was very complimentary of the team and Pedro Morales. So, I mean, that, that next week has to be three points, and that's going to set them up good. I don't think we'll get much from LA. And then we'll look at this in, in later podcasts. No point going into it just now. We'll, we'll look at the run-in. 12 games left just now, two after this two-game road trip down to LA. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Only one piece of new addition to the Whitecaps just now from the international transfer window that closed. It's a big addition, too, if you look Very at size. Very big. <laughs> Six foot five. Kendall, not anything to do with Barbie, but Kendall Waston. Not Watson. No, let's make sure we get this right. Waston. Super nice guy. Spoke to him at training on Saturday. We spoke to him on on air or on record for maybe five, six minutes. And then he he chatted to us for about another five minutes afterwards. Great guy. He's going to be a fantastic addition to the Whitecaps. And he's he's this kind of player that Carl's talked about. How he wants not just talent on the pitch... But he wants the right character in the dressing room, and Waston's going to bring that. Definitely, and uh, I and and the thing is, we're, we were talking about it before too that he has that ability to be an, a contributor in, on set pieces as well. He's going to be a danger in the opposition box, as opposed to Jay Demerit, who he's replacing, who was basically a danger in the Whitecaps box. Usually, giving up those penalties, yeah. But uh, overall, I think it was a, a, a good what it was a good signing. What do you think? Do you think they need more stuff? I th- I, th- I think they do, but what? yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know I do. Everyone that's listened knows I do. Anyone that's read my stuff knows. I want us to get a left winger because Fernandez on the left doesn't do it for me. He's been quite ineffectual. He's way better on the right. Yeah. And Hurtado should not be out in the wing. Yeah. And or and possibly starting on the pitch. Well, he Hurtado might be able to provide something off the bench, and that's it's something they need if, if they can oh, bring no, something. Oh, definitely, uh, and yeah. it's like I. I, I do like what he can bring, his hustle, his, he's had to barge off the ball, but he's not a winger. Yeah. Neither's Matix and neither's Manny. But because Carroll's wanting to try and get these guys playing in the team, he's persevering them within this position and they're struggling. Yeah. And we need to have Fernandez on the right, bring in a left winger, and I'd still like us to, to bring a striker in, a proven goal scorer. And I know Matix is. It's going to be hard. It, that, that, at this point, it's going to be hard to bring somebody in. I know. Like Matix is four and five now. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. I asked Carol about that on Monday, and he basically said it sounded like he's just going to persevere with what he's got till the end of the season, live and die by them, and hopefully get them experience to build on that next year. 
But you know, next year he's going to have another. I think strike. I think they'll definitely be searching for somebody, and uh, they obviously uh, the international transfer window is closed for MLS, but they can sign players who weren't under contract when it opened. Yep. So unattached players, and they obviously can be trades too. And now, don't forget homegrown additions because there's still a chance we could see Bustos and Froze unlikely. But but, but Sam did I join in late August last year. I don't think there'd be any contributions from them for this season though. They they really I they, don't know. Well, you're gonna are you gonna bench Pedro Morales for <laughs> Bustos in that case? Hey, you're not gonna play striker. Pedro came off today and Tybert came on, which yeah. I thought was weird. I would, uh, I mean Mesquita, as I keep saying. What does he have to do to get a game? Mm-hmm. He they had a shooting competition at training on Monday. Who won that? Nicholas Mosquito, the guy that can't get any minutes in the team. So, getting off the Mosquito rant. Uh, I just like Nico. I was going to ask you, um, trade options within MLS, they're right now stacked at, like, again, five center backs. Andy O'Brien seems back. He's, well, for now, he's, he's healthy. They've just signed Waston. Do you think there's a trade value for Carlisle Mitchell on within the MLS do you think the, the, some team out there would need him he's an international but he is on low salary and somebody could afford him if they need a centre back well that's the thing he's like on a dirt cheap salary and if somebody is a bit worried about the defensive cover he's perfect for that I don't think he's done enough that's going to have impressed enough other teams that they're going to want to give up much for him in return. But even if they get something for him, because it, it's it, at this well, you point... you don't want to just need... get rid of players for nothing. I, I want to... If we're going to do a trade, I don't want us to, to do it for a, a draft pick or no, a bag of balls. No, I'm not saying draft pick. I'm, I'm saying bring another, maybe an uh, attacking who, player. Who, who are you going to get? I mean... Maybe somebody who... I, I, I'd... This this one's for Brenton Walters. I'd like to see us make a play to bring Will Bruin here from Houston. <laughs> he gets those vital it. goals. It's not going to happen, they're not going to give him up that easily. So okay, so let's leave that out of that. Um, but I mean, you you had some ideas as well. You you were wanting to trade Matics. It's usually me that wants to do that. But oh no, my uh, the whole idea about that was uh, we were uh, that was because it came up because of the Weber um, article, which I thought was kind of early. Yeah, but it was, but, it was but, a bit. but it was about the expansion draft and you know how, how you know Robinson wants to keep more than 11 players you have some concerns about that because you don't think there's 11 players in the game. well that, 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 that was the, just my throwaway quote <laughs> I actually have to sit down and work this out so we'll look at that maybe in, in, in the next podcast but it's really early to talk but about my idea is that maybe make trades with Orlando and New York and get something for players and basically in addition to the getting whatever you can for the players get like so they don't pick anybody so that way you don't have to worry about protecting all the players. You you, you get the rid of the players you don't need. Um, I'm using an example. I know Omar Salgado played today, and he was actually a pretty good contributor earning that penalty. I also think he's growing, because when I was talking to him after the game, I, felt like, taller. I, yeah, I felt like a midget. But but it, there are questions whether he has a future in, in the, with the Whitecaps. So why not offer him to one of those expansion teams for a draft pick, for allocation money, and then th- them not selecting anybody from the Whitecaps? There are options there, so I, I, I that, that's just basically all, you know an off-topic thing we're discussing. Because the thing is, I don't think New York and Orlando are going to particularly need a lot of the players we might want to discard. Yeah. But there is the danger that they're going to pick them for another team. Exactly. Um, and then trade them away to them. So we, we've kind of got to watch for that as well. And I like that idea. Um, I like what Orlando City's doing actually they've been signing a lot of young guys especially defenders and they've just brought some guys over from Benfica during the week as well that they've signed I think 19 year olds and they're they're already building better 
than I think the Whitecaps did. And we've discussed this before, like yeah. in 2010, that was a waste. That waste of whole year. year was just a waste. But Orlando City are going about it really, really well. And they've got the advantage over New York in that they're playing a competitive season and they're playing in USL Pro. And of course, so are the Whitecaps next year. Yeah, and the one thing I want to mention about the Orlando's biggest advantage is they don't have Tom Sowen running the team and bringing <laughs> in players. So that was a, that's a pretty big advantage there. Although he's at DC now and he seems to be doing pretty well, well with them. We don't know how much he's doing. He could be just a glorified front office person. But it has done wonders for the hot dog business True. in in Maryland. It's, it's risen, risen up. You were talking about USL Pro. Yeah, that that that's gaining momentum. It's uh, they've had the, they had their second town hall meeting or whatever you uh, community get together to discuss it and pretty much everyone seems in favor of it apart from some very loud but very minority size wise if you check the facebook page something like 151 likes local baseball guys baseball guys that are yeah they're losing their field but they're uh, they're gonna build them another one they're gonna build them too big for them to play on there exactly and a stupid sport even though I watch it and love it, it's a stupid sport. And it's amateur baseball too. It's not oh, a it's professional just kids. team. It's like it's, exactly. It's not so, even minor league. It's like it's, it's kids. So 150 people, if that's how much they've had so far through two meetings, it's not going to be enough to uh, put a stop to this. The the other concern is, and this doesn't uh, initially, this doesn't seem to be gaining any ground support. Is the opposition from local people that may be worried about traffic and I don't think that's really uh, played a part into this. No, I mean, it's slightly maybe 14 games a season or something. I had a look at the plans and the plan now is for an absolutely beautiful grass pitch yeah. as the main pitch. So they're going to be playing on grass and they're building an AstroTurf pitch beside it for community use. The grass pitch will also be for community use. So it's not that the Whitecaps are taking on Queen's Park Stadium and saying this is ours now, no one else can have it. And they're going to be building more baseball stuff. And if Canada wants to be a serious soccer nation, get kids away from playing baseball, get them playing soccer, and get them playing soccer in the summer when the weather's nice. I think you can eliminate obesity if you get them away from baseball. Yeah. Not in the States, obviously, because no. it's just a bunch of porkers down there when you see all the fast food things. But not that would be a big help. It's like baseball, they don't run that much and stuff. They're standing around all the time. A couple of little throws. Scratching yeah. themselves. It's yeah, disgusting. It is. Ban it. Okay, a bit drastic. I like the Giants. <laughs> and the Blue Jays, to a certain extent. And I, I still, I always say, actually, that Vancouver Canadians, for me, have the best stadium and just the best atmosphere in the atmosphere, whole city. Yeah. Better than BC plays in the Whitecaps. Fogel say, What? No, it's not. It's not the chant. Obviously, they don't have chanting, but no, it's, but just, it's the, just the whole just atmosphere. The, you're close to pitch. Yeah. Everyone's into yeah. it. It's just I, I great view from this. Yeah, the, I love the Canadians yeah. game. We should have an AFTN actual baseball night. We should we should go to a game one of these nights. Sure, we'll do that. Get get all our listeners to come along as well. Maybe do a live podcast from it because the games go on for about ten hours, judging by the Blue Jays game today. <laughs> so we'll have lots of time to record that. So one last topic I wanted to throw out there. And this is just to get it off my chest because I, you know, I don't have time to write, as everybody knows. I don't write that often, but I'm really perturbed by this whole World Cup bid for Canada in 2026. I think it's a complete colossal waste of time. They're not. But Seth Blatter says it can well, happen. Seth Blatter is going to be promoting this because he wants people to lining his pockets because that's where most <laughs> of the money is going to initially go to the lining his pockets. There's no way though that you can say Qatar can hold a World Cup and Canada can't. 
Yes, I am. Slight, famous. Slightly, <laughs> yeah. Because Qatar can actually buy players from Brazil and Wakanda won't do that. So, also, it's like slightly extreme weather that you're going to be going from like the heat to polar bear weather. Exactly. Well, I don't think they're playing in the Yukon. <laughs> Although they need the space to make stadiums. They should, they should embrace all of it. They should be up there. They should be playing in none of it. I'd like to see none of it make a bid for an MLS team. They're gonna, definitely not going to have a winter schedule then. That's for sure. Um, but like, I, I just think it's a waste of time. I think they need to invest that money, con- continually invest that money in development and, and get people more excited about the national team. I think the national team needs to qualify for the World Cup first on their own by merit. And then go ahead and bid for a World Cup, uh, you know, team, a uh, World Cup uh, in, in Canada. Well, the, the thing is as well, like no country should be putting a bid in when they haven't got their own national league. I know no, America. That's, that's true. I too. know America got it in '94, and it built into that was they were going to launch their national league, which was MLS, and, and it we're all here today, and yes. it's been fantastic. Yeah. But Canada, and I know that they're looking at maybe. There's all this talk of all the the CFL teams are going to have like D two teams, regional well, and it's regional, regional stuff. And yeah, it's like who knows whether but you have to establish the Lions that will first. have one in Vancouver or whether they'll have one in Victoria or Kelowna or yeah. I mean, but there's still lots of time before 2026. I don't think it's completely out of the ballpark. But what I would say is, are these stadiums just going to be used by the CFL teams as well. You're going to have like multi-purpose stadiums. Is that going to kill the grass? Yeah. Is it not going to be grass? It's Is good. it going to be on turf? And we've seen how upset the women players are with a farcical lawsuit that they're taking out claiming discrimination that they have to play on turf in Canada next year by Abby Wombat, as I like to call her, because I think she is a bit batty. Yeah. Um, but Abby Wombat is Abby doing that. Hope Hope Solo? I like Hope. Um... Because the farcical thing for me is Wombach has raised this and she's playing her club football on turf. It's okay when she's doing that and getting paid money, but oh no, can't do it for America. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. I, I don't think the bid for Canada for 2026 is completely farcical, but I still think Qatar is going to get 2022 taken away from them and it's going to go to the States, so it's then, all moot. And then it's not going to go, yeah, you can't have a North American thing. So I, I just even putting together the bid is kind of like, I, I don't believe they should do that. That's just my opinion. And if you look at the under twenty uh, game in I the, the opening game, them, I'm, I just, I'm just I just saw some of the highlights because I was working. But Toronto was not able to support it; they were out shouted by the Ghanaians. Oh yes, I've been following all so, that because Ben Massey. Yeah, he's there. He's there, and he actually he left before the end of the last game against Finland, and he wrote a good blog post on Maple Leaf Forever. So check this out. He was upset that. The Voyager's capo was like leading chants in a Ghanaian style and like kind of playing up for the Ghanaian fans and they're doing all this stuff. And he went over and said, look, we should be doing Canadian chants and enough of this. And he got called a xenophobe and he said, I'm not having that. So he just left. He, He was like, I'm here to support Canada. I've flown across the country to support them and I'm getting abused like that. So I am fully with Ben on that one. But I mean, what I will say is, Canada lost their first match against Ghana. And then they were 2-0 down at halftime against Finland. So if someone that hasn't watched this, I, I have been following it. Um, and then they won 3-2, fantastic comeback. I saw the goals as well. And the girls did really well. And I hope they go on and they qualify because it will be good for Canadian sport and it will give the team a boost next year for the Senior Women's World Cup. But the fallout from that first game just shows it. I think Canadian soccer commentators, fans and media 
are worse than the English for overreacting over one single game. Yeah. They lost to Ghana. It's like the end of the world. Blow everything up. Everything's wrong. Get this. Do this. Do that. It's just... That's nonsense. Well, it's going to be a tough one for them because they're playing North Korea and those 22-year-olds are really going to... You know, they're in for a good game probably. Well, they, they've, the already, they've already won the tournament. I I, I read the, the daily report yes. from the, the North Korean newspaper. So they've added the World Cup and now the under-20 Women's World Cup. But anyway, enough of our blethering. I think we should wrap this episode up. Definitely. We're just in such a good mood because we're not used to talking about Whitecaps win. It's been since the start of July that it has this cock-a-hoop. And we saw a lot of yoga backside. Yes, lot, there was a that yoga session, as we mentioned at the start of the show. That was interesting. Very Vancouver. I'm interested to see. I, I kind of, I really like actually what the Whitecaps have done with these theme nights after it. So, that's it for another episode. Episode 74 has come to a close. Before we wrap up, I just want to, to say that today, Sunday the 10th of August, is AFTN's 25th birthday. I want to blow my own trumpet for for a bit if I, if I was doing yoga maybe we'd be more double jointed and we'd be able to do that more often downward dog yeah. blowing trumpet but um, blow, blow our own trumpet FTN started 25 years ago today started as a, a fanzine over in Scotland for East Fife our first issue came out on the 10th of August 1989 we're now in two countries we've got websites in both countries blogs in both countries podcast here I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone that's bought the fanzine over the years, that's read the blog, that's visited our website, contributed on Twitter to our podcast, all the guys like Slamo and Zach and Jay Duke and Aaron Campbell that, that do the podcast with us. I really appreciate the support, guys. And just to get a little bit mushy and sentimental, it, it's really meant a lot to me. Uh, I hope we can continue. I don't know if we can continue for another 25 years and get to our 50th, but it's a special day for me today for for this taking place and I just want to thank you all for, for being a part of it and a congratulations to you as well thank Great you job. Steve so on that sappy note Steve tell everyone where they can find you online you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat and sometimes writing for Canadian Soccer News and I'm Michael McCall you can find me in Scotland and in Canada on AFTN.co.uk and AFTN.ca AFTN on Canadian Soccer News CanadianSoccerNews.com Whilst the Cats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and Soccerly.com. So, happy days are here again. The Whitecaps have won, they've put a smile on everyone's face, they're back in the playoff mix. Let's make sure this isn't for nothing, guys. Let's go to Sheevis, let's slaughter those goats, and let's keep this playoff push going. Until next time, thanks for listening, thanks for reading, take care, and mon the Caps! <laughs>